Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles, open it with me to James chapter 4, and as you do, say this with me today, I receive the Word of God, the prophet me. Now, let me just stop right there. How many of you know, remember the word of the Lord that Brother Jerry gave, that we're progressing into the next? Well, profit and progressing means the same thing. The word is to help you to progress, to get to that next level that God has for you. How many of you are completely satisfied with where you're at? Good. No hands are going up. How many of you want to see more of God in your life? All right. Praise God. Me too. So profit me. All right. We'll finish. To profit me. Reproof me. Convict me and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The Lord put it on my heart uh, a couple of months ago to go back to the basics, the basics of God's Word. And so maybe some of these uh, messages that I share with you, you might say, well, Pastor, I've heard that before, but the person next to you may, may not have heard it before. And all it's going to do, if you've heard it before, is just strengthen what you already believe. You know, when we have a time where we ask people to, to pray the prayer of salvation, you say, I've already prayed the prayer of salvation. Well, you know, you're not undoing anything that you already believe when you pray the prayer of salvation. You're just reinforcing that which you believe. And so if this is something you've heard before, well, just bear with us a little bit. There might be that person who's never heard this before. And just ask God to open up your hearts and get more insight. You know, every time I read the Word of God, it's kind of dynamic in the fact that it's alive. How many of you know the Word of God's alive? And sometimes I'll read a scripture that meant one thing to me last year, but it'll mean a lot more to me this year. And so that's where the Word of God works. It's alive. It's living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, more powerful to divide asunder your soul from your spirit and the joint from the marrow is what the Word of God says. And so open up your hearts to receive what the Word of the Lord would say. So have you found James chapter 4, verse 7? It's on page 1065. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up, lament and, and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into, into gloom. And that last part of it, always, I always had a uh, struggle with that because I couldn't quite understand it until I really did some research on it to find out uh, what it really meant for us. But the expanded Bible says it like this. So give yourself completely and submit to God. Stand against and resist the devil, and the devil will run and flee from you. And so then he goes on and explains how to do it. Come near to God. You know, I loved what Pastor Vicki said. I thought she was going to preach my message today. I thought she was going to give me a day off, but she didn't. Come near to God, and God will come near to you. You sinners, cleanse sin out of your lives. Cleanse, purify your hands, a metaphor for cleaning, cleaning up your behavior. You who are trying to follow God and the world at the same time, you're double-minded. Can't do it. Make your thinking pure. Purify your hearts as a metaphor for cleaning up your interior life. Uh, be sad, lament, or cry, or weep, and change your laughter into crying, mourning, or your joy into sadness, gloom, or sorrow. 
Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, or the Lord's presence. He will honor you, exalt you, and lift you up. And really, the word humble means, God, I can't do it myself. You know, the word of God says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a season now that if any other time of the history of the known world, we need to be led by the Spirit of God. We need to be hearing what the Spirit of God's saying. We need to be listening to what the Spirit of the Lord's saying. He will keep us out of harm's way. And that's so very important during this age and this season that we're in. I'm not trying to put fear in anyone. But with what's going on in the Middle East and with what some of the information that we're getting through our law enforcement officials, we need to be careful to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is telling us. We need to go where God tells us to go. We need to listen. If the Spirit of the Lord says, you know, if you go home a certain way and the Spirit of the Lord says, I want you to go a different way, then go a different way. He said, well, nothing happened. Well, you're learning to listen to God. If anything, well, nothing happened when I did that. There wasn't any wreck if I would have gone. That doesn't matter. You're listening to God. You're practicing listening to God, and that's so very important. So it says, therefore, submit yourself to God. See, the key to resisting the enemy and the real truth of spiritual warfare. You know, sometimes people get into this spiritual warfare, and they pray a certain way, you know, and they raise their voice when they're praying, and I'm not against any of that, and I'm not mocking that. But the truth, the real truth of spiritual warfare is submitting to God. Because to the same degree that you're submitted to God is the same degree you're, you're walking in the authority of God to resist the devil. The more you submit to God, the more you resist, God, uh, resist the devil. And it's just, just the same. To the same degree that you're submitted to God. Why? Because you're created in his image. You're created in his likeness. And how many of you know that when iniquity was found in Lucifer, God kicked him out of heaven? Amen. How many of you know that? How many of you know when Jesus was here on the earth that God defeated the devil here on the earth? Amen. How many of you know that Jesus, when he died, he went to hell and defeated him there? I mean, there's not a place where the devil has victory in his life. And as you walk like him, like the God, in the likeness of God, and in the Spirit of God, walking after the Spirit of God, you're just like your father, and the enemy can't stand that. How many of you like to be around someone who whooped you one time or another, huh? The enemy cannot stand that. He does not like, you know, to be in the presence of God. He hates that. And so the more you're submitted to God, the more you're like God. And the more you're like God, the more you resist the work of darkness. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, but without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. And that's the key. The key is to diligently go after God with your whole heart, your whole mind, and your whole soul. And that's one of the commandments that Jesus was, when he was asked, you know, when Jesus was asked, what are the most important commandments? He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God has made this thing very, very simple. But religion and man has tried to complicate it. What we need to do is love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul. And that's why it was saying in the expanded Bible, and that's why I brought it out, even on the inner being, you know, sometimes, you know, we'll get a negative thought. And we think, well, you know, nobody knows this thought. It's the only thought that, that, that I'm having. Nobody really cares about this thought. It's not going to affect anybody. But God knows that thought. 
You know, and, and you know, the, the, the truth is, as a man thinketh, so is he, the Bible tells us. And the more you predominantly think about, or whatever you predominantly think about, eventually you're going to say. And we're judged for every idle word, the Scripture says. So I want to make sure that my words are positive. And my words become positive and they become fruitful as I dwell on those things which are of God. I'm going to dwell, I'm going to meditate. That's why it says in Joshua 1.8, meditate, you know, day and night on the Word of God. And you will make your way prosperous or you will progress to the next level that God has for you. So that's why it's so important that we even examine our own hearts. You know, I catch myself once in a while, you know, dwelling on something that makes me angry. And I think, what, what's the purpose of this? Why should I be angry about this? There's nothing I can do about yesterday. You know, so why get angry over it? Just let it go. Move on. I've asked the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. Holy Spirit, check my thought life. Check what I dwell on. Don't allow me to dwell on those things which are negative. But help me to dwell on those things which are pure and lovely and a good report you know, those things that please God, those things that are worthy to be praised. And that's what the Word of God says. If we do that, then the peace of God, and that word peace is shalom. Say shalom. Shalom, which means to be complete. You'll be whole as you dwell on those things which are wholesome. Those things which are pure and lovely and a good report. So the first thing I see in this passage of Scripture is commit yourself to God and commit to doing everything as you possibly can, God's way, doing it God's way. That's the most important thing. Now, the word submit is not a form of legalism, but it's a choice. And what you're saying when you submit to God, you're saying, I choose to follow you, God. I choose to let you lead me, God. Not my way, but your way. Don't, shouldn't we pray as Jesus taught us, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth? You know, how many of you know if that if it, your will would be done in the, on this earth, it'd probably be a lot worse than what it is in, 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 than it is right now. I know it would be true for me. I mean, if my will was being, would have been done, man, I would have messed things up. I found out a long time ago that God's smarter than me. Amen. But I'm still working on letting him be smarter than me. I have to work on that because sometimes I think my ideas are pretty good. How about you? Oh, come on, don't look at me with that sanctified look. You feel that way too. We all feel that way. Man, God, you know, if you just do this for me, well, God says, why should I do that for you when I got a better plan for you? Come on, somebody. Boy, I'm preaching good this morning already. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we, 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 we choose to follow him or we choose to let him lead and to guide us. Psalms 91 says that they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's a choice, isn't it? Amen. They that dwell. Where you dwell at is a choice that you, de you, you determine or predetermine you're going you're gonna to spend time at. They that dwell in a secret place. Well, what is the secret place of the Most High? Well, for me, the secret place of the Most High is that on the very inner being, I let God dwell in me. That's my very inner being. It's not a physical place for me. It's a mental place for me. It's a place where I allow God to be in my life. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. And I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my strength, my God, my fortress, God in whom I trust. I can say that of the Lord. And so it's a choice, again, to allow him to lead me 
to make that choice to be in his presence, to make that choice to stand in that place where God wants me to be in. What does Deuteronomy 28 say? Uh, tell us? It says, if you hearken diligently to listen to the voice of the Lord your God and to obey his commands, if you hearken diligently, they that diligently seek him shall be what? What did we see in Hebrews eleven six? They shall be rewarded. He rewards those who diligently seek them. The Bible says he loads you daily with benefits. I don't know about you, but I like benefits. Amen. Amen. I like the benefits of God. And I have a feeling that sometimes he loads me daily with benefits, and I overlook them a few times once in a while. But he loads you daily with those benefits, and as we are diligently seeking to follow after the voice of the Lord our God, all these blessings will come upon you if you've prayed and fasted enough. No. All you got to do is just go after God with your whole heart. That's all you have to do. All these blessings, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out. Everything that you put your hands onto shall prosper. And when the enemy comes against you in one way, he'll flee seven different ways. I was praying that one day, and the Lord said, you know what that really means? Now, I can't validate this theologically, but I believe it's true because this is what he put in my spirit. He said, you know what that really means? I said, Lord, tell me what that really means. He, he, and this is what he said. He said, it means that, you know, if one way won't work, I got seven more ways that will work for you. How about that? Amen. God can do whatever he wants to do. God can make, make a way. If one way doesn't work, he, he's got another way. If one avenue doesn't work, he's got another avenue for you. Glory to God. The devil only has one way to bring destruction. God has many ways to bring a way to overcome in this life. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Man, he's making a way for us. So Deuteronomy 28, what is that all about? Seeking God, submitting to God, letting God lead you, allowing God to lead you into his perfect plan and, and will for your, for your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says it like this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations to every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, being ready to punish disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, that word punish means to annihilate. It means to annihilate in such a way that it never existed or it doesn't have the power to hurt you anymore. Why is that so important? Well, how many of you, don't raise your hand right now, but how many of you would say, yes, I've been disobedient at least once in my life? How many of you know there's probably been a consequences to your disobedience? But you know, this word tells us that when we're obedient, it destroys all of our disobedience and all the consequences of our disobedience. In other words, God has redeemed us from our mistakes. Glory to God. But not only that, but how many of you know that somebody else's disobedience may have hurt you or may have hindered God's plan for your life? Well, if you're obedient, you know what? Their disobedience can be annihilated too. Someone else's disobedience, no matter what their plans are against you, it will be annihilated. How many of you believe with me that Israel is the apple of God's eye? Amen. Amen? Israel is God's firstborn. And what are we seeing? We've seen an enemy come against Israel, and we're seeing Israel do what? Destroy all their disobedience. Yeah. Isn't that what we're seeing? You think it's God's obedience for Hamas to go against Israel? What were they thinking? 
They must have ate some bad pizza the night before or something. I mean, dear Lord, to come against Israel, to come against God's chosen people. Don't you know that God is with the Jewish people? And don't you know that in Christ you're grafted in with them? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't just go around thinking the Jewish people are God's chosen people because in Christ, he is a Jewish Messiah. Come on, somebody. I'm going to give you a little Bible lesson here. He's a Jewish Messiah, and through him you're grafted in, and you're just as much as God's chosen one, the apple of his eye, as the Jewish people are. That's why you don't ever give up on the promises of God. You're his favorite. Glory to God. And so because of their disobedience, Moss's disobedience, God's raising up Israel to destroy their disobedience so they can have peace again. Well, that's what God will do for you when, you, when you know, your obedience is fulfilled. And all your obedience needs to be is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things, say all, all of these things, tell your neighbor all means all, all of these things shall be added unto you. Does that sound about like progressing? Does that sound like increasing? Does adding sound like getting more than you have now? Glory to God. That's God's plan for your life. Glory to God. So Isaiah says it like this, Isaiah 59, 19. So that they, they, they shall... So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy comes in, and that's where I put my comma, when the enemy comes in, well, why don't you say when the enemy comes in like a flood? He doesn't have any water where he comes from. Hello, somebody. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. How many of you have ever seen the result of a flood? It's devastating. You know, in the 93 and 95 flood, my parents lived out there in Stedman, just on the other side of Mocaine, you know, and we, we came to do a, 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 a minister at a church here in this particular area, and we couldn't drive in. We had to fly over. And I tell you, when we flew over this area at that time, I mean, it looked like one of the Great Lakes. I mean, there's water everywhere. But when we came back six months later, I mean, the devastation. I mean, there was ruts and, 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 and the farmland was tore up and houses had been moved off their foundation. Why? Because you can't stop, you know, hundreds of tons of water from doing what it wants to do. Amen. Just like you can't stop God's standards. Right. You can't stop the standard of God. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. So again, when we're following after God and we're living according to God's standards, you know what? That means that he'll raise that He'll, he'll raise that uh, standard up against the enemy like a flood and just wash it away. Glory to God. Well, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffered violent, but the violent taken by force. Well, this word violent here, it means that we're going to have to become militant about it. We're going to have to become militant about our authority in God. You know, praise God that, you know, yeah, we can submit to God, we can love God, but there comes a time where we're going to have to rise up and take our place. Tell your neighbor, take your place. Keep the devil out of our house. Pull down those strongholds. But you can't just say, well, now, Lord, thank you so much. I'm so thankful that I love you, and then the devil doesn't, doesn't bother me. No, sometimes you just have to get violent about it. 
You have to get forceful with it. You have to say, get out of here in the name of Jesus. You know, it was like this lady, Smith Wigglesworth, talks about this lady who went to the bus stop and, and her dog followed her. She's now going home now. Now go on home now. This happened to me just the other day. You know, we have a dog, a neighbor who has a dog that likes to come visit here. And he's a big dog, friendly dog. But he just, you know, he just steps on the kids. You know, I mean, he tries to jump on them, flattens them and stuff like that, you know. And, and uh, the neighbor's aware of it, and they're trying to keep the dog there. But I was over here one day, so I thought, well, okay, I'll walk the dog home. So I walked the dog home up to the lake up there, and then I turned back around, and he started following me. I said, now you can't do this. Go on home. And he kept on following me. Finally, I just said, get! And he left. <laughs> That's what you have to do to the devil sometimes. Get! Right. Take your place. Yeah. You know, the kingdom of God serving violent. But sometimes you have to be militant about it. And say, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm a child of the living God. I'm a royal priesthood, a, royal, a, 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 a holy nation uh, unto God. Amen. I'm an overcomer in this life. I'm created in his image and his likeness. Listen, you know, when, you, when you're battling sickness, the best way you can battle sickness is saying, wait a minute. I'm created in the image of God. I'm in his likeness. And God ain't sick. Come on, somebody. God ain't sick. And I don't have to be sick. I'm in his image. I'll never be sick another day in my life. Amen. Glory to God. I refuse to allow sickness and disease to get on my body. Amen. Amen. I'm created in the image of my creator. And he didn't create me to be sick. He created me to be an overcomer. That's just right. the beginning of walking in divine health. If there's disease or sickness in your body, just begin to tell your body, hey, body, you line up. You're in the image of God. And God is not sick. Well, that was free. That little nugget was free. So, but in my, in my notes here. But, you know, sometimes you have to be militant about it. You know, and when you're militant about it, or if you're in the military, as the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, therefore you must endure hardship. And actually the word is hardening. Hardening. Not hardship. Hardening. You know, you know before I became the hunk of the man I am today, I had to endure the gym. But I had to endure, as we would say in the gym, no pain, no gain. I had to endure. I had to be diligent. I had to go to the gym. I had to run. And when I was training for the University of Missouri's basketball team, I'd run four miles a day. And part of that run was a hill. And I'd run, sometimes I'd run eight miles a day. And I'd come home and I'd take a half a dozen eggs. And I'd throw them in the blender, one with the shell in it. And I'd mix it all up and I'd drink it. Because they said that's what you're supposed to do back then. They don't recommend that anymore. That's what I did. I endured, you know, to get to that place that, you know, I could go to that next level, athletically speaking. You know, I became harder and stronger. Well, that's what this means. Sometimes you have to endure to get harder and stronger. And you endure by going through trials and tribulations. You know, when you go through a trial and tribulation and you see how easy God won that battle for you, the next time there's a battle, you go, this is no big deal. Because if my God before me, Come on, somebody, help me preach this message. Who can be against me? And we always shout out in this place, nobody. There's no man, and there's no devil. 
and there's no government that can stop God's plan for your life. If you believe that, give the Lord your best shout right now. Hallelujah. How many of you want to hear the second point? All right, I'm glad you do. Purge yourself of the world. Now, Jesus said this, you're going to be in this world, but you don't have to be of the world. What does that mean? That means that we're not a woke generation. Amen. Hmm? No wokeness in this church. Mm-mm. No way. I'm not allowing this stuff to come into the house of God. You know, I'm going to live according to what God's word says. People in the world, well, you just don't have love if you don't love transgender people. I love every transgender people. Amen. I just don't want to see them mutilate their bodies. Amen. I just don't want them to see them to make a serious mistake that they can't reverse. Right. I just don't want them, you know, to you know, try to uh, teach that philosophy to my children or my grandchildren. You know, but I still love them, glory to God. I still love everybody that's in the LGBTQ plus and ABC and CBS and all that other, you know. I, I still love them. Come on, somebody. I can love them and not agree with them. Amen. How many of you like chocolate ice cream? That's my least favorite. But I still love you. <laughs> I still like ice cream, you know. Same thing, you know. Just because I don't agree with you on everything doesn't mean I don't love you. You know, but I'm not going to allow that philosophy that's in the world to enter into my life or enter into the church. Amen. You know, God said years ago, it's time for the church to get out of the world and the world to get out of the church. Right. You know, we're not going to win more people by becoming like them. They want something that they think is better than what they're living and they're not having the peace, and they're not having the joy, and they're not having, you know, the benefits of God like we are having. That's why we need to continue to press in and see the blessing of the Lord work in our lives, because we'll make them jealous. And they'll go, what is it about you? Well, I happen to, you know, be related to somebody. Who are you related to? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm the son of the creator of the universe. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm a part of the living God, you know. I put God in my life. So 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 16 says, Don't, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father. So what are these things? What are the lust of the eye? What are the lust of the flesh? Well, the lust of the flesh is doing things for your own recognition or your own advancement. Sure got quiet in this place. You know, it's, it's, it's trying to get that recognition. It's trying to get that advancement. It's trying to get that place, to that place where, you know, uh, people are, are honoring you more than honoring the God that you serve. Hmm? Didn't Jesus say, Mark 10, 45, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve, so that I may become a ransom for many? That should be our attitude. It's really not about me, but it's about the living God that I serve. Amen? You know, whenever we do it for self-promotion or self-advancement, you know, we're in our own strength. But when we humble ourselves in the presence of God, saying, God, it's not about me, but it's about you, then God can exalt us. That's what we saw there earlier. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Humble yourself in the eyes of God, and he will lift you up. The lust of the, the, of the eye is desirable things, you know, and that's what happened to David when he happened to be out when he was supposed to be at war, and he looked over the balcony, and he saw Bathsheba bathing. 
All of a sudden, the lust of his eye, it became desirable. And it, and it brought a great temptation that he yielded to it. And the pride of life is not thinking that you need anyone. Oh, I can do this. I don't need God. You know, like somebody said the other day, you know, I heard him say it in a joking way. Well, maybe we need to pray. Oh, it's come to that now? <laughs> no, we should be praying first. Amen? You know, we need God in our lives all the time. I need God every day of my life. How about you? Come on, somebody help me with this message. Amen. Number three, consider the seriousness of sin. Consider the seriousness of sin. Listen, all of us are being perfected, but not all of us are perfect. And so if there's sin in your life, don't just laugh it off. Don't just blow it off. Go to God and say, God, there's an area in my life I'm struggling with. Take it serious. Why? Well, sin separates us from God. But as a believer, we'll never be separated from God. But what sin separates us is from the kingdom of God. It says people who practice these things shall not, you know, experience or inherit the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to be separated from the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to be separated from the blessings of God. And so if there's sin in your life, go to God and, and ask him to help you until you get to the place that you overcome maybe that sin or that iniquity. Psalms 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. And forget not all his benefits who forgives you of all your iniquities. Now, see, there's three, three categories of sin. Sin is sin, there's no doubt about it. But there's sin, which means missing the mark. That's kind of like getting a 98 on your math test. Instead of 100, you missed a mark, it wasn't perfect. None of us are perfect. That's what the Bible says. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. Isn't that right? So we've all sinned, okay? But trespasses or, 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 or transitions, not transitions, um, transgressions, thank you very much. Transgression is like a trespass. You know, it'd be kind of like seeing the, the, the sign, you know, uh, on the side of the sidewalk and it says, don't walk on the grass and you walk on it. You know better, okay? You just, you just purposely do it. But what is iniquity? Iniquity is that you've done this sin so much it's become a part of you. That's called addictions, like alcohol or drug addictions or other things. It becomes a part of you. Even gossiping can become an iniquity. Oh, come on, pastor, move on. All right, I will. But, you know, iniquity or even having, you know, uh, negative thoughts all the time can become an iniquity, can become a stronghold. It's a sin that's become a stronghold in your life. And that's why it says in Psalms 103, he forgives you of all your iniquities. Not only your sins, which is covered. Not only your trespasses or transgressions, which is covered. But he's also forgiven you, which means he's cleansed you of that. So if he's cleansed you of that, you need to use your faith. Hey, I'm an overcomer. I can overcome this sin. I can overcome uh, this challenge that's in my life. I can overcome this temptation in my life. You know, in the Word of God, when Jesus taught us to pray, you know, lead us not into temptation, that's not really the way he meant it, because God's not going to lead you in temptation. What it really means is, is you, you declare, I refuse to allow temptation to lead me. I refuse to be led by temptation. I refuse to allow anything that's other than God to lead me. That's what that really means. And so don't take lightly any sin that might be in your life or any shortcoming that's in your life. Keep on challenging it. Keep on pressing into God until you overcome it. Am I doing okay this morning? Amen. That's what that means. That's what it means when it says, you know, uh, 
begin to mourn over your sin. You know, don't just take it lightly. Just say, take it serious. Lord, I want to overcome this challenge in my life. And there's a lot of people in church that have challenges. You know, some people say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. Well, so is the world. <laughs> Hello, somebody. I'd rather be in a place where I can change instead of in a place I can't change. Yep. Amen. I'd rather be here in the Word of God that can change me than not in a place that can't change me. Amen. We're all changing from glory to glory. There's not one of us that's perfect in this room today. Hallelujah. But yet we can keep on pressing into God and asking God to change us from glory to glory. Am I doing okay this morning? Word of God tells us that godly sorrow re uh, produces repentance. What does that mean? That means that godly sorrow is not as the world would say. The worldly sorry, worldly sorry is I got caught. Doggone it. Man, what can I do to, you know, basically world, worldly sorrow or fleshly sorrow is I got caught. And how can I get away with this again without getting caught? How can I cover this up? That's worldly sorrow. But godly sorrow is that, God, I'm not like who you say I can be. That's what godly sorrow is. I'm not everything you say I can be, but I want to change. That's what godly sorrow, and it leads a man to repentance. And, and Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says that when we repent, times of refreshing or times of restoration, hello somebody, comes upon us. And repentance is not standing up in front of the church telling everybody every wrong thing that you did. Repentance is just turning back to God. That's what real repentance is, is just coming back to God, putting God first in your life. All goes all the way back to James chapter 4, verse 7. You know, submit to God. Let God lead you. And he'll begin to bring you through and bring you out and take you to that next level of victory. Well, then the fourth thing I have here in my notes this morning is resist the devil. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Does that sound like submit to God? Does that sound like allowing God to lead you? Sounds like it to me. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, putting on the whole armor of God. Put on that whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now that word wiles has two different meanings to it. It's, it's a very interesting word. It means the very subtle, insignificant attacks of the enemy and the obvious attacks of the enemy. So it's both areas. You know, the enemy can come in and subtly attack you. Oh, it's no big deal if you think this way. Oh, it's no big deal if, you know, the person at the cash register gave, gave you more change than you deserve. You don't have to tell them. You can just call yourself blessed. I mean, if you're at the cash register and the, ca and, and the person who's giving you money back gives you $20 more than you deserve, do you say, praise God, I'm blessed? I don't. I give it back. They, they're going to have to, you know, uh, what's the word for, uh, there you go. They're going to have to rectify that cash register and that person's going to be in trouble. I don't want them in trouble. You know, and you know what? It's such a testimony when you give that money back. They go, you're really giving that money back? Well, yeah, I'm giving that back. Well, why would you do that? Because I want to honor God. Amen. You know, I don't want you to get in trouble, and I want to honor God. I want God to be honored in my life. He said, well, nobody would ever know, and I'd be, you know, $20 richer. Well, you know what the Bible says about he who gets money through ill gain? Mmm, it's not a good thing. I'll just let you know that. All right, let's move on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of me. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. And it goes on and talks about the whole armor of God there. But did you notice it talks about standing three different times? Withstand. It says right here, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. You know, sometimes we get to a place where we feel like we're on this plateau with God. It feels like, man, we're not going forward, but we're not going backwards. It just seems like there's some type of resistance. I know God has more for me. And the enemy will come in and just say, well, you must not be in faith. Baloney. You are in faith when you're standing. Come on, somebody. You are in faith when you're standing. Even though it may not be manifesting quite yet, even though it's not manifesting as quick as you'd like for it to manifest, if you're standing, you're in faith. Tell your neighbor if you're standing, you're in faith. If you're standing, you are in faith. You know, and that's the key. Don't quit. Because quitters never win, but winners never quit. I said, quitters never win, but winners never quit. The key is to keep standing. When I first was uh, saved and, and went into the ministry, I'd left the engineering field and, <clears throat> and uh, took a, a two-thirds cut in my salary from the engineering field to work in the ministry. And it was very challenging, you know. And, and I didn't know anything about church work. I didn't know anything about ministry. And I just assumed that everybody that worked in the ministry walked in the love of God. And everybody would have my back, and everybody would want to see me advance. And I found that that's not always true in ministry. Hello, somebody. I'm not trying to paint a negative picture. It's just there's, there's real people in ministry. And I thought, you know, after about three or four months working in the ministry and a few, you know, confrontation with other people working in the ministry, I thought, man, I'm not doing this. I'm just going to quit. So I decided to quit. And so I, uh, I went up to my room, and I said, now, Lord, I quit. He said, that's fine. You can quit. He said, but I know you. I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, I know you're going to want to get back into it because you're called. I know who you are. And he said, in six months, you're going to want to be right back where you're at now. So let me advise you something. This is how God spoke to me. Let me advise you something. I said, what's that, Lord? And he said, why don't you, instead of quit, why don't you just rest? In other words, what he told me to do was Stand. Quit trying to make things happen. Just wait on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I'm so glad I waited. And he gave me this illustration. He showed showed me climbing up a ladder. He said, let's just say you're climbing up the ladder to, you know, your destiny in life. He said, so if you climb back down, what do you got to do to get back there again? Got to climb back up. So why don't you just rest? Stay where you're at. Stand. See, that's faith. Withstand. Stand. Hold steady. Waiting on God. You're, there's no lack of faith in waiting on the Lord or standing. And as you stand, you know what you're doing? You're still submitting to God. As you submit to God, what are you doing? You're resisting the devil. See, the choice is, are you going to be more persistent than the devil? Are you going to stand until he leaves? You know, it's kind of like that bully that comes up to you, and, you know, and, he, and he knows. If he can bluff you, he can win. And he's standing there, and you're standing there. And he's standing there, and you're standing there. And he's standing there, and you're standing there. And my old nature rises up and says, come on, just go ahead. Come on. 
Not anymore. I'm too old for it. But anyway, I used to. Come on. Come on. You want to wear some of me out of this place? I'll give you a piece of me. That's what I used to think. Anyway, sorry. But, uh, you know, come on. Come. No, but, you know, all you have to do is just stand. And if you make the choice to outstand him, you'll always defeat him. If you make the choice to outstand him, you will always defeat him. Glory to God. So we fight the good fight of faith. Why do we fight the good fight of faith? Because it's a fight we win. And we win no matter what. As long as we submit unto God. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. So it goes back to one thing. Just trust in God. Does God got this or not? I believe God's got this. Amen. How about you? I believe God, know, God knows what he's doing. I know when, my, when I first met my wife, she, she had a saying, you know, that I've adopted. Well, God hasn't fallen off his throne. God hasn't fallen off his throne. What does that mean? You know, God's not been out of shape about it. I'd get, I said, well, you know, I don't know what God's going to do about it. Well, he hadn't fallen off his throne. Nothing shakes God. God's already got a plan. You know, the Bible says when he sees the enemy trying to uh, um, bring his plan up or try to orchestrate his plan, he just sits there and laughs. Well, what should you do if you're in his likeness? Just sit there and laugh. I mean, you know, if, if, you're under, you're, I mean, if you're under pressure or you feel like things aren't going, you know, the real truth is as you stand, you, you're standing in, in faith, and the devil has shot his very best shot at you. And there's nothing else that he can do. And you're winning just by standing, just by not quitting, just by not giving up. Glory to God. You know, you don't quit on your first day and you don't quit on your worst day. Hello, somebody. But as you are consistent to keep following after God, you're going to see the blessing of God increase and increase and overtake you. Psalms chapter 9 verse 10 says, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalms 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who puts his trust in him. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So there are benefits to putting your faith in God. There are benefits to being obedient to God. There are benefits to submitting to God. And those benefits are as you submit yourself to God, you're going to find that you're going to resist it, the devil in your life. And he'll have less and less and less opportunities or avenues to mess up what God has for your life. And as you do that, begin to seek God. Say, God, if there's anything in my life that's not pleasing to you, Lord, help me. Purge this thing. You know, the Bible says if you confess your sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive you. But it takes it one step further that most of us don't dwell on and cleanse you. You know, the moment that you ask God to forgive you, there's no stronghold in your life. Did you know the moment that you confess it to God, there is no iniquity in your life? Did you know that once you confess it to God, God has come in and cleansed you of that thing? Not just forgiven you, but he has taken it away from you. But you have to make a choice. And as you follow after God, God will give you the, the ability to resist the enemy, and he shall flee. Now, I want to tell a story about something that happened to me. When I was growing up, I grew up in a German family, and uh, in St. Louis, we used to uh, have these uh, pubs 
not too far from the homes that my grandparents lived. And so when we were kids, we used to go to the pub, and we used to give the money for a bucket of beer. And so we would bring that beer back, and it had all this foam on it. And so on the way back to giving it to our parents, we'd just suck the foam off of it. So I grew up with that taste of that desire for having beer in my life, drinking beer. It was, it was part of my lifestyle, part of our family style lifestyle. It was in our home all the time, and it wasn't an issue. 15, 16 years old, when I'd be bucking hay, the farmer would give us a beer to help put protein back in us. It was just part of our lifestyle. But when I got saved, I decided I didn't want that in my life. And one day when I was in Fort Worth, Texas, I mean, it was probably about, you know, 180 degrees. <laughs> Something like that anyway. It's hot. And I was mowing yards. I'd just gotten married. Hadn't been married very long. You know, and I'd made this commitment. I'm not, you know, you know several years before that, when I went to Bible school, I'm not going to drink beer. I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore. You know, and I was going home from mowing yards. It was hot. And I remember this one convenient store that would sell what they call tall ones, you know, just one can of beer. And boy, I tell you, the temptation, I mean, I, it's like I could just taste it. Mm, mm, oh, man. I, I, boy. And, and, I, and, and, you know, all these thoughts came, well, you could probably drink it and no one would care. It's not a sin. You know, it's not the end of the world. Probably drink it before you get home and throw the can away. Your wife would never know. That's a problem right there, right? Anything you have to do in secret's not of God. You know, but you know, I wasn't thinking that way, you know, but I mean, I'll tell you what, the temptation was just so great on me. And finally, I just said, God, help me. And the Lord spoke to me and said, if you overcome this temptation, you'll never be tempted like this ever again in your life. Boy, I mean, I grabbed a hold of that steering wheel. I put the pedal to the metal. I passed that convenience door. I went, I got, I got, the closer I got home, the more that desire left me. And I want to let you know I've never had a desire to drink beer from that point on. Because that's what God did for me. Yeah, yeah don't panic, can't give God praise, amen? amen? I'm telling this for a reason because there's somebody out there who's, you know, you're struggling. And I'm here to tell you, if you'll dig your heels in and go after God like you've never gone after God, that struggle will be over in your life. You'll never have to deal with that again. Why? Because he doesn't only just forgive you, but he cleanses you of all unrighteousness. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember... You are God's best.